politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, and our property here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here in the house Wednesday, June 8th, which incidentally was the date that Orwell published the book 1984 in 1949. Um, And we are living in a time where 1984 seems banal and quite lame because what we are living through is a controlled demolition of humanity, of civilization, not just tyranny. I mean, that's we're beyond that. And I'll tell you this much. One thing is comforting. I think we've slayed one golden calf. You will definitely not save our life, liberty, and property, and humanity, and civilization through Republican primaries. I think that has become abundantly clear that we were a bunch of primaries last night in many states. I haven't fully sorted it out, but you know what? It doesn't matter anymore. Again, Chuck Grassley, he won something like 73 to 27%. And again, in a given state, about 25 to 35% of the Republican voters are informed and they get it. They get the who's who, the what's what of politics. The rest will inexorably vote for incumbents until and unless... Someone convinces them that there's a dead body in their trunk. You need a catalyzing moment. You need lines, battle lines drawn in the sand. That's really where where it is. So it demonstrates that we have to work on the issues first. You know, it's not going to happen on its own. We got to fight on the issues. We got to fight in the off season. Every day there's an election. Every day you could pressure your elected officials. You could pressure the NGOs, cultural influencers in your area, and that's where it's got to start. It's not going to happen in primaries. It's the same story. Um, But on the other hand, when there are battle lines drawn and people understand the clear issues and who's on which side, they do vote in the right way. And we saw that with Gascon, the Soros DA in San Francisco, thrown out, and really every one of the Soros DAs that I could see have lost last night. So that's where it's at. We have low-information voters and largely voters share our values. You see, even in Democrat primaries, they threw out the Soros uh, guys. Now, today's sponsor, very appropriately, with the Soros prosecutors, many of them still intact, like we talked about yesterday, we have record crime. We have criminals everywhere, okay? And no, as we learned from Uvalde, you can't count on the police to protect you. That's why I recommend everyone go to itargetpro.com and put in offer code CR. What are you going to get there? You are going to get laser bullets, dummy bullets to put in your firearm. It could be 223 round for your AR. It could be 9 mil 45 cal for your handgun. And this allows you to practice safely in the comfort of your home your muscle memory, your trigger function, your sight alignment, the speed of your five-point draw from a holster. They send you a board when you, you know, along with the laser bullet. You shine your uh, phone on it through an app. You download their propriety app from iTarget, and then you could literally time your draw. This is the best present to get someone. It's the best present for yourself. You will make back the money from having avoided one trip to the range. I'm not saying to never go to the range, but you could acquire 90% of your skills and muscle memory just from dry fire practice. And this is the funnest way to do it. Um, Again, technically you don't even need a laser dummy to do it, but it helps track your shots. So it's, you know, fun and more, uh, you know, more user-friendly. So again, go to itargetpro.com. Offer code CR, the letter I, targetpro.com, offer code CR. Okay, so last night, okay, obviously Chuck Grassley wins in a landslide. By the way, Grassley yesterday, he had a meeting with Matt, Matthew uh, McCone, um, McAnoy, what is, what's his name, and Kamala Alves about gun responsibility and school safety and his bipartisan Eagles Act. So there you go. He's screwing us. He's working on that, but he gets reelected. Because it's the same story. Republicans are turning out in record numbers in the primaries, but they're voting with a general election mindset. 
the battle lines are drawn that they know the Democrats are bad. The battle lines are drawn. They, they know they want Biden out and they know they want a GOP controlled Congress. So they go to the first person they know, which is the incumbent. And that is it. No one else gets on the radar. It's the same thing. Not a single statewide elected Republican has been defeated in a primary despite everything we've been gone through because the battle lines have not been drawn. We have not created the market for primary challenges, and we never really will. Um, you know, my buddy Steve Days always talks about how he's moved away from, in general, from primary challenges just because it's a waste of time. His lesson was that we need to focus on radicalizing our own voters into understanding the exact issues rather than trying to just do these pickets charges because they don't work. And again, I could swallow the fact that every incumbent wins, but at least every time we have a vacancy, an open seat, or maybe a Democrat seat to flip, we get the better guy. But across the board, that's not the case. Most of the time, we're seeing the jerk wins. Now, what we are seeing is that once in a while, if you focus people's attention on one issue or something, like, for example, the Wyoming primary is coming up soon, and there's no doubt that Liz Cheney will get crushed because everyone knows she betrayed Trump, voted for impeachment, you know, but we need to make it clear on other issues that these guys are like Democrats and you got to, got to vote them out. But clearly, we have not succeeded in that yet. And, and when you have a party and incumbents that are so subversive that they run on our issues while doing the opposite, I don't know what you do. But I just wanted to point that out. Now, we haven't even defeated any House members. Until last night, most of the rhinos survived. All all of them survived, even the ones that went up against Trump, even where Trump had an endorsement against them, uh, because the battle lines weren't drawn, I think, starkly enough. But they did do, the challengers did better than they would usually do. Except in Mississippi, Mississippi, there were two um, House members, incumbents, that are drawn into a runoff. One voted for the January 6th commission. Um, so, you know, he's drawn into a runoff. Hopefully he'll lose. And then uh, I think it's District 4 on the Coastal District. Steve Palazzo, your run-of-the-mill rhino Southern Republican, um, he was drawn into a runoff. But again, the only reason was because he was scandal-ridden. There were scandals of him just totally using campaign finance, campaign finances for personal family favors and things like that. It wasn't because he's just an establishment fool that that uh, is is really a latent communist. It it has to be some sort of scandal. And even then, he took first place. Now it could be he will lose the runoff, but you know that's my point. It's not happening. But again, the same pattern persisted that at a state legislative level, we did have a little bit of give and take, but I think Annette did pretty good in South Dakota in the legislature. Um, and then in Iowa, I think at least four incumbents were, were downed. Uh, that was largely because the governor in that case, the opposite of what we usually see, Kim Reynolds, did endorse against rhinos. They made a big issue of the school choice issue, and they were thrown out. So, I mean, that's the thing. You have to create a red line. We're starting to do it on critical race theory. We're starting to do it on grooming. But the problem is, the, the problem that we have is, and crime as well, but it, the, the line is mainly drawn against Democrats. And Republican voters, or at least usually two-thirds of Republican voters, they don't see these Republicans as a threat. Because you have to understand in the era we live in, the Republicans aren't getting up there doing drag queen hour. They're not getting up there forcing you to jab yourself with Pfizer. They're not actively doing it like the Democrats are. But what they are doing is surreptitiously working with all the special interests to ensure that there is no sufficient opposition to what they're doing. And what you need to understand is innocuous candidates, and they're not even innocuous privately, but I'm saying even if they are, that's no longer good enough. Because if we do nothing, we lose. We are on a path to destruction unless you affirmatively take new actions, new strategies, new candidates against them. But people don't see that. That's the problem. It's not like Chuck Grassley, you know, the 89-year-old dude, doesn't uh, strike people as a tranny. You know what I mean? Like, 
he, he doesn't strike to that, even though he's working with all the interests that will ensure that the status quo continues. So this is where we are. But obviously, we did have the success on crime. Bodine, the, the radical Soros prosecutor, was thrown out. Um, from what I can see, uh, the L.A. mayoral race, um, it, it's an open seat for mayor. But the, it, there is going to be a runoff. But the better guy did come out ahead in the Democrat primary. I think he was, actually was a former Republican. Um, and then a bunch of incumbent sheriffs and prosecutors in California that believe in somewhat the rule of law were challenged in, in the primaries, Democrat primaries. Uh, Soros challengers failed against the prosecutor in Orange County, the Riverside County Sheriff and Prosecutor, Yolo County Prosecutor, and Santa Clara County, the, the, from what I can see. So when the lines are drawn, we do pretty good. But then again, while Soros prosecutors, where we have enough money to get out our, 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 our message and deliver the truth about these people, they're able to win even in Democrat primaries, yet Republicans, for the most part, are still bought in to the jailbreak agenda. They're gradually indulging our messaging on defund the police, and even to a certain extent the Soros uh, prosecutors, but they're not doing what they did last generation when there was a cr crime wave created by Democrats and actively expanding sentences, cut, cutting the jailbreak and the good time credits and the early release and, you know, overall getting tough on crime. They're not doing it. They might rhetorically run some ads blaming the Democrats for crime, but they're not putting lead on the board. They're not doing anything. And then you have the economy. I, I have a piece out today on the need to, I don't have time to delve into it, but the need to revisit the Commerce Clause and state powers. Obviously, the feds do have legitimate power to regulate you know, interstate commerce, and that's where all the pipelines are and the you know, delivery systems are right. There, there's a ban on rail delivery of liquefied natural gas, which is a big problem, largely responsible for us not getting the product that we have. We have immense natural gas uh, reserves in this country. Um, but not getting it uh, uh, cheaply and effectively enough to all parts of the country. All sorts of things that states need to start rebelling against the EPA and federal land uses, agricultural usage, bo both for food and fuel on those issues. Otherwise, if you don't do that, oh, Daniel, that's kind of radical. Fine. You could do your status quo. We're going to be at a point where we cannot afford medical care, food, and fuel and housing, if you haven't, if you don't yet own a house, you never will, because you can't afford it. Status quo is not an answer. Now, by the way, speaking of the price of gas and food, I have a really exciting announcement for you, a new sponsor, Upside. What if I told you there's an app you could download that only has an upside with zero downside? You know, Back when we were more of a cash society, when credit cards were still kind of new or not as uh, they were used more sparingly, they gave really good cash back programs. Now that's kind of dead. I mean, you really realistically almost never get more than 1%. But if you download Upside's incredible app, what they'll do is they'll show you in your area different restaurants, grocery stores, uh, gas stations that they're affiliated with. And if you go there, you download the app, you go there, Guess what? You could check in or you could upload your receipt and you will get money back. I mean, it w look, you're not going to shave off $2 worth or wh what are we up to? Uh, more than $2 worth of increase in gas since Biden took office. You're not going to save that much. I can't get, but it's going to be more than 1%. If you look at a lot of that, you know, it's it's free cash. It's literally free cash. Um. And you could usually earn three times more back with Upside than a typical credit card. Again, it doesn't mean you have to change anything. You could use your credit card, your debit card, however you pay, but you do it through checking in on that app, and boom, you get their savings. You could link it to your account, PayPal, or your checking account, and you'll get the cash back the same way you do with the Visa card, MasterCard, you know, at Citibank or whatever. Um, they're earning more than a million, you know, there's users earning more than a million dollars every week. Um, through Upside, 
It's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So download the free Upside, U-P-S-I-D-E app and use promo code CONSERVATIVE to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Hey, look, five free bucks is five free bucks listening to the show. But then, subsequently, um, you will save money every time you use one of their vendors, which usually there are, you know, pretty. it's pretty common that you'll have affiliated gas stations, especially Shell, I found in my area, is affiliated with them, Marathon, a couple others as well. So, again, that's Upside's free app, uh, promo code CONSERVATIVE for $5 cash back on your first purchase. All right. So I wanted to get – but by the way, just to close the loop on the, on the elections, GOP turnout aggregated for 17 states. We've had about 17 states of primaries. It's up 40% over four years ago. Democrat turnout is about where it was. It's a huge deal. People are waking up that they're upset. They just are blinded by what to do about it. And it's our challenge to guide that energy – to radicalize them into the issues and the players of our time and to draw those battle lines. That, that's, that's where we are on that. No question about it. Now, I do want to have a very special guest on today, someone standing up to a court-martial. But first, I just some, some recent news about people dropping dead. You, if you haven't seen this, you got to read this at the Daily Mail. Healthy young people are dying suddenly and unexpectedly from a mysterious syndrome. People aged under 40 are being urged to have their hearts checked because they may potentially be at risk of sudden adult death syndrome. I'm not kidding you. SADS. You know, you have SIDS for, for babies. It's an umbrella term to describe unexpected deaths in young people. The Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, most commonly occurring people under 40, they say. The U.S.-based SADS Foundation has said that over half of the 4,000 annual SADS deaths of children, teens, or young adults have one of the two, two warning signs present. Um, those signs include a family history of SADS diagnosis or sudden unexplained death of a family member and fainting or seizure during exercise. Because <laughs> they want to explain the sports deaths. Last year, a 31-year-old woman, Catherine Keene, died in her sleep while living with two friends in Dublin. She's 31 years old. Um, and they talk all about that. Strokes, heart attacks, seizures. And uh, suddenly they're saying this has always been a problem. Young people dying very suddenly. We don't know why. We don't know why. And basically what they're doing is have you killed and have you inherited, like King Elijah said to Ahab. They're causing the problem with the clot shots, of course, and then they can create a massive surveillance state over it, and then you get Big Pharma to cash in with more surveillance programs and you know preemptive checkups and everything. It's perfect. They get to benefit from it. And speaking of people dying suddenly, this is from Medriva, Norway's nursing home residents died days after first COVID shot. Within days of receiving their first COVID vaccination, nearly two dozen nursing home residents in Norway died, prompting a healthy warning for elderly patients above 80 years old. Norwegian Medicines Agency announced the deaths of 23 patients who had been given the Pfizer vaccine on Friday. 13 of those victims have undergone postmortem examination with findings indicating common adverse events effects from the vaccine were to blame for the staggering mortality. This is a big deal. This is a Norwegian medicines agency, and they're saying in one day, they had two dozen people die, and they say that the vaccine's typical side effects, such as nausea and fever, may have exacerbated the condition of some elderly patients. I'll take their word for it, but what they're saying is that with very elderly people, it's not even just the straight-up heart and stroke and blood clotting, but even, you know, it makes people sick. So, you know, if you have someone kind of at the end of their rope, this could, could end them off. Following the deaths, Norway's health authorities urged that the vaccine be avoided by those with severe underlying diseases who are above 80 because of concerns over its safety. So we were told COVID vaccine was needed for people with severe underlying safety concerns. And now, well, yeah, it just might kill you. The agency stressed that the device does not imply 
that younger, fitter individuals should avoid vaccination. But still, this is big news that they're pointing it out on older, older people. That's a big deal. Steve Kirsch talks about a similar thing at this Palo Alto Commons. It's a assisted living in Palo Alto, California. Nine elderly jabbed, six dead in less than a week. This is happening everywhere. Again, there is evidence that there's more excess death per capita among younger people, and there's reasons for that. The lipid nanoparticles might you know, get around the body more. But it's not that it's not happening with seniors. It's just no one cares. I mean, no one cares with the younger people either, but it's really not noticed. And then you have, this is from uh, Ed Dowd. The U.S. Department of Labor disability claims have skyrocketed since the vaccines came out. Okay, just skyrocketed. So... There you go. Massive, massive increase. He plots it on a chart. Yeah, I wonder where that's coming from. So again, remember, you know, we track deaths, but there's a lot of people with disabilities. I mean, imagine all the people with the severe tinnitus and vertigo, all this neurological stuff. Yeah, and Republicans just ignore it. They just ignore it because we have not drawn that line in the sand. And obviously, it's not enough. We need a Nuremberg trial. We need criminal investigations in every state. Every state could do a criminal investigation for fraud by Pfizer, False Claims Act. But they'll go nowhere. Now, I do want to get to our special guest who was court-martialed for not wearing a mask and speaking out against the shots, retaliated against for being a whistleblower, This guy's a real stud. You're going to want to hear from him. Our interview today is sponsored by Better Spectacles. If you are unhappy with your progressive glasses, well, get conservative glasses. With America's only conservative eyewear company, uh, Better Spectacles uses the famous German company of Rodenstock with their gold standard uh, exclusively for the first time in the U.S. Their scientists use biometric research to measure the eye in over 7,000 points. Unlike Pfizer, their product actually works. Their biometric intelligence glasses are big. It gives you a seamlessly natural experience that works perfectly with your brain. gives you the sharpest vision at all distances. It is certainly my best pair of glasses I've ever had. So go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative to schedule your own teleoptical appointment. So you could do that with them as well, the appointment. Um, you don't even have to leave your home. Don't settle with your eyesight. Go big with biometric, biometrical intelligence glasses. They're offering 61% off their progressive eyewear plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames. It's time to see 2020 with better spectacles. Go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative. So we're talking about younger people suddenly having strokes and heart attacks and blood clots, sudden adult death syndrome. Okay, this is something that is now being recognized all over the world uh, by the medical cartel, by the media. They recognize that. Now, where do you have a collection of young people that is vitally important, probably more important than any other collection of young people? Well, you guessed it, the United States military. So you would think you'd want to surveil, like, hey, you know, there's a lot of funny trends going on. Um, You would think members of Congress would be interested You would think governors, Republican governors and legislatures, they might not control Washington, but they control a lot of states. They would at least be concerned about their respective guardsmen. What is going on? But no, to this day, no matter how much information comes out about the negative efficacy and the danger of it, they're not interested. And by the way, as we learned last week, Even the mask issue is not over with. They're training in 90-degree heat outdoors with masks, and nobody in Congress is raising concerns. It's all good. It's all good. There's an interesting story out today in The Hill, or yesterday. New Pentagon policy allows HIV-positive service members to deploy and remain in uniform. Updated Pentagon policy prevents the U.S. military from separating HIV-positive service members with an undetectable viral load and also allows them to be deployed. So they literally have HIV, but they say um, 
in view of significant advances in the diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of HIV, think about that. It's necessary to update the policy. Yet with everything that has been advanced in the diagnosis, treatment, and just what is not working and what's negatively working, as all the people who have the shots get COVID multiple times now, they won't update that policy. So think about it. You might think, man, Daniel, I mean, look, the military is different. We're just going to go all out. We care so much about public health. We're just going to destroy people, destroy careers, kick out thousands of people. Um, it doesn't matter because we got to do it. Well, no, because when the spirit of the age aligns with more passive action, then they'll take that path as well. So this is where we are. HIV, that's fine. But if you don't have COVID, if you're, in fact, let's say naturally immune, and in fact, you didn't take a shot that is quite literally outdated and is downing so many young people, know that is a problem. And the, the problem in military public health, just like in civilian public health, is everyone stood down and everyone violated every single principle of public health. See no evil, hear no evil, keep chugging along with the shots. No surveillance, no accountability, no liability, no rethinking of policies as new evidence presents itself on the ground, nothing. But there's one man that took his job seriously, and he paid for it and is still paying for it. Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, he's an entomologist and a preventative medicine officer at the Army Public Health Center in Aberdeen, Maryland, just about 40 uh, minutes east of where I live. And his job is to assess health threats and monitor them, convey them to the military command, mainly with regard to insect-borne diseases, but in general, non-combat ailments and injuries. You want to see, hey, you know, what's going on in the military? Is there something funny going on? Does that have to do with our deployments, our training? Um, is there something on unhealthy exposure? What's going on? So... You know, and, and by the way, uh, Lieutenant Bob Bashaw has been in the military since 2006, so many years. He was in the Air Force for most of the time, moved over to the Army in 2019, again works at the Army Public Health Center, and he took his job seriously. So he's like, well, okay, wait a minute, there's some issues here, and he started speaking out about masks, about the shots. He filed complaints, and he was retaliated against. And he was court-martialed, court-martialed for uh, taking a stand. And this is still going on today. Uh, he's you know, basically having his career destroyed. He was up for promotion to captain, and that's being withheld from him. So I've been meaning to have him on to update us on his story and just a broad overview of what is going on in the military because this really is one of the most important issues. Lieutenant Bashaw, thanks so much for joining us today. Daniel, thanks for having me. Uh, like you said, Lieutenant Bashaw here, uh, first and foremost, before I get started with my, my story and the situation going on, I'd like to uh, give this caveat. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and glory to God. Um, now I'll go ahead and get started. So like you said, I've got 16 years experience in the military, active duty. I've served all around the world from Africa, Asia, Europe, Central America, and uh and then recently getting stationed back in the United States, uh, where I then switched as a direct commission into the Army Medical Services Corps as a uh, as an entomologist, which is my specific uh, skill set, and then overall as a preventive medicine officer. And so as a preventative medicine officer in the military, my mission is to, to support the Army Public Health Program by sustaining readiness of the force through protection from potential an actual chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear weapons, and infectious and vector-borne diseases, as well as other environmental and occupational hazards. With that being said, my most recent positions at the Army Public Health Center include uh, the company commander of the, of the HHC company command from May 2020 to July of 2020. One and then most recently, I was uh, serving in the entomological section as a as an entomologist, a medical entomologist. And from I would say from July 
to be specific, from July 2020, I started seeing things that were kind of threw me for a loop. And, and more specifically, it was it was the treatment of SARS-CoV-2 when when I brought up uh, questions to the Army Public Health Center, if the DOD was looking into uh, possible prophylaxis treatments for our service members uh, in the form of hydroxychloroquine and some of these other pl- prophylaxis treatments. And and the response I got back at the time was just, uh, no, flat out not effective. And then fast forward to um, February of 2021, I I was a commander at the time. I was raising issues about these these masking uh, mandates within certain areas, specifically at the time in the gyms, and how those have a potential negative impact on on um, the physical body when you're exerting yourself and you're not giving your body enough oxygen and things like that. Kind of got shut down there too. Then fast forward to September 2021, where I again brought up hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, zinc, some of these other prophylaxis treatments. I'm just curious, like, is the DOD going to start mentioning these possible treatments for our service members? Now, I've been in the military 16 years, and I've served all around the world. And uh, previously in the Air Force, my job was uh, pest management, my specific duties were to make sure service members were protected from vector-borne disease and also implement uh, programs to suppress those threats. And and oftentimes the locations would go to would receive prophylaxis and would have to take those on a daily basis. So I was just, I was confused as, as to why the DOD was was going all in and safe uh, with their with their messaging of safe and effective on these experimental um, whatever we want to call them, vaccines, mRNA treatments. Um, and I was, I was really confused. So in September, late September, 2020, 2021, I got, uh, I got a copy of uh, Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long's affidavit and, and the dangerous effects that these shots were having, um, at her level as a, as a, as a first-line doctor with some of her patients and what, what she was seeing. And I quickly brought that information to the, the COVID-19 task force at Army Public Health Center. And I simply asked the question, I said, look, we have the VAERS data, which is the Vaccine Adverse uh, Event System Reporting, which is the CDC government database that shows an alarming signal and now we have first-line doctors that are speaking out and saying, hey, something's seriously wrong here. And all I'm seeing at my level and across the Department of Defense is safe and effective, safe and effective, over and over again. So I brought this information up with the intent uh, to have my brothers and sisters in uniform be warned about the dangers um, and the deadliness of these experimental shots, only to be completely ignored and shut down and then fast forward to november time period where the dod implemented a mandatory discriminatory testing mandate upon all the unvaccinated service members for sars-cov-2 and so at that time i i then filed an article 138 ucmj which is a service member's um It's a a tool that a service member has to bring up complaints and concerns to their first uh, commander within the chain of command to to try to receive some sort of redress. And so I did that, and immediately after retaliation ensued, my promotion to captain was withheld, my security clearance was suspended, my security access to all Army Public Health Center facilities was revoked, my um and and i was i was actually i was actually restricted from the base so i couldn't even at the time i couldn't even show up to the base and then i was threatened with jail time to leavenworth and court-martialed and so, so that's court, a little you're, bit you were threatened uh, because you spoke out or because you refused to comply i re- i that's a good question i um it, it could be a little bit of both, but I did show up to work and I let them know and I gave them the laws uh, about these emergency use products. I showed up to work without being tested and without being masked 
and immediately they just knee-jerked the retaliation against me, even though I had a pending Article 138 in with the proper laws. So it wasn't baseless. I wasn't just, you know, I was trying to redress the concerns, but I had to show up to perform my duties uh, on site. It's not something I can do. My duties at the time weren't something I could do sitting at home on my couch, supervising soldiers and working in a specific specific laboratory doing specific duties isn't something I could do at home. And I had to show up to work. So I showed up to work without without being tested, without a mask, and immediately was just completely demolished in the process. So I want to talk about your personal process in a minute. Um, to pick up from you know what happened after November 2021, but just in general, to fast forward now. So obviously, all of the vaccinated people are getting the virus left and right. So they still have these requirements in place, and there's no. You have your ear to the ground in the public health sphere of the military. You're a little bit different than a typical soldier in the sense that you are part of the public health apparatus of the military. So. There is no update like, yeah, you know, these things kind of don't work. In other words, I think they've groomed the military to believe that soldiers and even civilians to understand that, yeah, you could kind of inject them with anything because that's just how it is. No, you know, even if it's not as safe as we usually like it to be. But that's assuming that it works. Um, But clearly in front of our eyes, it doesn't work. So has their attitude changed at all? Not, not that I've seen. All I continuously see is safe and effective and just even more uh, heel digging in um, where the unvaccinated can't even PCS. They can't move around. They can't go to different assignments. The coercion is at an all-time high still. And it, it's, and, and, but, but the, the thing that baffles me the most is there's so much government and i'm not i'm not talking about just random evidence here i'm talking about fda documents that are being released i'm talking about cdc uh evidence that shows that these products are dangerous and deadly and there's no sort of discussion it's just it's just continue for safe and effective safe and effective safe and effective so um, you were court-martialed. You were court-martialed. What were the charges against you, and how was that disposed of? So I was court-martialed for not participating in an experimental emergency use product, specifically the mask and the test, which by law I have the absolute right to refuse, according to U.S. Code 21-360-TRIPLE-BRAVO-3, It says required conditions for these emergency use authorized products is for the member, the individual has the has the right to accept or refuse participation with these products because these products are under liability protection. So the manufacturer and everybody down except for the individual who participates are protected by a liability clause, which is U.S. code. 43247 Delta, where it specifically says that none of these manufacturers or anybody along that line up to the individual who chooses to participate will be held for any liable actions of uh, arising from adverse events or death from these products. And we know that not only are the vaccinations deadly and dangerous, we also know that the testing is dangerous and deadly as well with some of these harmful, seriously harmful chemicals they have in the reagents and also the ethyl oxide that's impregnated into the swabs. Yep, no, we've seen that in Ohio. There's been recalls on some right. of these. So, I mean, this is actually out in the open. I wish I would have covered it a little bit more. It's a whole nother sphere. Literally every single thing that they've employed is harmful. Every single thing that would be safe and effective they've actually blocked. Um, so a lot of us have been chomping at the bit to actually have our day in the court to adjudicate the underlying merits of these policies. Did that occur during your court martial, um, or was it more about other technicalities? And how? What was the outcome of it? So what was interesting was the judge denied expert witnesses at my court martial 
and they denied allowing me to certify as an expert myself. So whenever we got, whenever I got into the technicalities and, and the science of some of this stuff, all I heard was objection, objection over and over again. So I couldn't legitimately bring these merits to the, to the, to the stand. And it was just based on the lawfulness of the order, which the judge in the 39 alpha session, which anybody out there who doesn't understand in a court martial, there's a 39 alpha session specifically for this one where the judge determines whether the order, the underlying orders were lawful or not. And the judge determined they were lawful, which respectfully, I disagree because of the fact that a whole part of 21 USC, the, the law I just cited, the, the required condition was completely ignored. And he, in fact, in the court martial, in his hearing, and this is public record, anybody can FOIA this information and the, the audio recording has been released. The judge said the EUA vaccines are certainly voluntary for service members, which that's the only vaccines available for service members right now, currently, is the EUA vaccinations. However, this is not the case for the mask and the test, which was, again, wholly inaccurate. First off, the law specifically covers biological products, devices, medical devices, and uh, it specifically states that in the law. And so he determined lawful, the orders were lawful, so immediately I was convicted because I wasn't hiding the fact that I showed up to work without a test and without being masked. Because I was trying to redress that in accordance sure. with Army regulation prior to any sort of retaliation. So this was over the mask, not the shot, or, well, indirectly through the test, but but the shot, I just want to clarify something you said. The judge was saying it's not a mandate? I mean, you have people being kicked out, or, or is that the Navy but not the Army? That, that's correct. The judge legitimately said that the uh, the opportunity to accept or refuse is in fact the case with these EUA huh? COVID nineteen vaccinations, but it's not the case with the mask and the test. That's bizarre because I mean people are being coerced into it. I mean I guess is she saying that technically? I mean because I know the Navy and Marines have kicked people out. They definitely right. have kicked people out, but the Army has not to date. Um, I'm not sure about that. I'd have to look. I, I can't. Mean, the, the, the wide perception is that there is a mandate. I mean, the question is, is there is it technically we're going to destroy your career, confine you, you can't do anything, no promotion, you're done, but technically we won't discharge you. Maybe that is the policy of the Army. Clearly, the, some of the other branches are downright uh, discharging. Um, okay, so then when I heard this, I expected you to be on a one-way ticket to Leavenworth. But what happened? Right. How was this disposed of? So, and then talk about the aftermath. Right. So he determined lawful. So at that point in time, I was found uh, guilty of disobeying uh, a lawful order. And at that time, I we went into pleadings, and I pled not guilty. And then we went through the rest of the court-martial the following day. The judge sentenced me after the, the court-martial to no additional punishment beyond the conviction, and then recommended to the commanding general to drop the charges in the conviction altogether, in which the commanding general ignored the judge's recommendation, uh, upheld the conviction, and at that point in time, because there was no additional punishment, they had to drop the flag on my record, and I were, at that point in time, I sh I automatically would have been promoted to captain. But instead, what they did was, in the counseling session we had on the, on the 7th of June, two days ago, the commander dropped the flag on my record only to reissue another adverse action flag on my record, stating that uh, my chain of command and leadership has lost confidence in, uh, or trust in my uh, capabilities of being an officer. And that's where it stands now. They flagged my record, and they're trying to administratively separate me because I'm a probationary officer, which means I've only been an officer in the United States Army two and a half years, 
and I didn't meet that six-year requirement. Beyond six years, I'm, uh, from my understanding, I'm afforded a board of inquiry where they have to look at the entire situation. Now they can just, from my understanding, and, and we're waiting on further information to come down, they can just push me out the door. Wait, so I'm, I'm not understanding how this works in, in military court. Um, mi- military, you picture they initiate the proceedings against you with a court-martial. Could you go back to the judge and say, wait a minute, um, they're defying your order, or was it not an order, just a recommendation? Right, just a recommendation. Got it. So he right, recommended... So, so I, I want to talk about that. Just before you talk about their reaction to it and what, what, what the command is doing, I found the judge's ruling very bizarre that on the one hand, he convicts you, you're convicted, um, and that's like a direct, you know, disobeying of an order. I thought you'd wind up in Leavenworth, but then says, no, you know, drop all charges, all adverse actions taking against him. Why? Why the dichotomy there? Right. So my opinion, and this is specifically just my opinion at this point in time, if he were to have um, determined that the orders were unlawful based on the established law that we all know to be true, it's in black and white, then that would have, in my understanding, in my opinion, that would have precedent for the entire Department of Defense in the fact that service members have the absolute right to refuse or accept uh, participation Uh. with these EUA products. And I don't think he was willing to do that or make that call. So That's what I thought. So you're saying... It, it was too. On the one hand, he was sympathetic. You think to your plight, uh, what you went through, what you were presenting. Um, but on the other hand, this is just too big to fail. He just can't take on this whole thing. So he's like, "All right, guilty. You disobeyed it, but don't do anything to him." That's correct. That's um, correct. And so, but what's interesting also is now, if if the commanding general would have dropped it, from my understanding, again, this is just my understanding, my perception of it, if he would have dropped it, uh, it wouldn't have went away, I wouldn't have appeal authority, but now I can appeal, uh, from my understanding and what was said in the court-martial and what I got counseled on, I'm, a lot, I'm able to appeal the lawfulness of his decision. However, every avenue I've tried to go to go down that road I've been ignored. Nobody's letting me know what that process is. Not even my own, uh, unfortunately, not even my own JAG attorney in the military. That is interesting. It seems like you have a very pivotal case um, that they want to passively, aggressively screw you over, but not full force because they don't want discovery. They don't want a full case on this. That's what it seems. Uh, right. Because it cannot withstand scrutiny, what they're doing. Um, the evidence is enormous that masks and shots are harmful and don't work and uh, cause problems. I mean, even more so than when you first uh, were were hit up on these charges. So do you have any sense of where this heads next? I honestly, I at this point in time, I just one day at a time process. I have no... Um, real speculation as to where it heads. Um, I did file another Article 138 complaint for retaliation because I am a named whistleblower with Senator Ron Johnson's office in regards to the Defense Medical Epidemiological Database um, evidence that I have in my possession that shows, one, the database did change. Um, There were enormous changes to the database. Uh, And two, we were seeing seriously... um, terrible signals within the database related to myocarditis, cancers, and, and uh, all these other things uh, in, in 2021. Is there anyone else sympathetic to you within the medical health establishment? The only individuals I've uh, really uh, found and, and kind of worked with on this situation is uh, Doc, uh, Doc Pete Chambers. Dr. Sam Sigaloff and, and Dr. Teresa Long, and uh, who truly understand it. And, and there's some others out there, but those are the individuals that have kind of, um, you know, stood up, stood up as frontline doctors and, and for what they, their Hippocratic oath or, you know, their oath as being medical providers. 
and things like that. But other than that, no, I, no. What would happen if you just left the military right now? Um, it's funny you mentioned that. I always told, uh, you know, I always said that uh, my, regardless, like my, my oath is the most important thing than my duty. Um, but beyond that, it's my Lord and Savior. Um, and I always say that if I have to put food on the table, I'll make it work. I trust in my Lord. I'll, I'll do what I have to do. I'll go mow lawns. I'll go be a deckhand on a boat, what, like whatever. Um, but the thing is, if I don't do what I'm doing now, I won't have those opportunities. So you're saying you have to fight this. Um, I have to. I, I absolutely have to. This is, this is something that God has, has gave me eyes to see and ears to hear and showed me what I need to see. And, and I just, you know, I just give it over to him and do the best, I imperfectly humanly possible can uh, to do his will. Wow. I mean, you really are making up for all the lost courage of uh, thousands of others, just uh, in your case. And I really hope we can make this a landmark case. And, you know, you'll let us know if you need more legal help or, you know, any, any other support that I'm sure there's a lot of people here. Uh, We do have lawyers in the audience that would be willing to help. Um, but again, it's not just about your plight. It represents so many people being forced to do harmful things that are just illogical, illegal, inhumane, immoral. It is so backwards, and facts don't matter. It just nothing matters. Nothing that comes out about the efficacy and safety of this ever matter. The policies do not reflect the truth. Um, they will never admit their mistake. They will never even quietly just kind of move in a different direction. And your case certainly shows us. Thanks so much for standing up. Thanks for your courage. And certainly keep us updated. Will do, absolutely. If I could just uh, mention one last thing. Oh, sure. You know, um, one of the most important things, too, is, is the children, right? Is the children. And if not us, then who? Right? If not us, then who? God bless you, Daniel. Take care. God bless. Bye. So, folks, again, that was Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, a real, real stud there. I mean, he's charging right into the hill. Remember, he did not know that he would get a favorable ruling from the judge. I mean, he was convicted officially, but it seems like the judge was sympathetic to him. And I think there were comments that were made during that ruling that indicated that he could have easily wound up behind bars for taking a stand against the cult. Imagine if we just had a fraction of people with a modicum of that degree of courage in the civilian world, where you're not even on the hook for going to, you know, the slammer for that, but nothing. And this demonstrates why we need to create red lines. Most people, they know there's something awry, but they don't hear about these stories. You should have every Republican congressman talking about their military constituents Don't think, oh, they're in the minority, they can't do anything bad. It's not true. They have a huge voice. They could have applied so much pressure. Certainly during the budget battle, and there's an upcoming one in a few months, they they could totally do this. Oh, no, Daniel. Um, When they're in the majority, they'll do it. Dude, they're more righteous in the minority. If they ain't doing it in the minority, they're not doing it in the majority. I'm just telling you. We'll be able to pressure them more, but they themselves will not want to do this. Nothing matters anymore. It's worse propaganda than living under a monarch. That's really where we are today. Full-blown propaganda. That's why we cannot allow this issue to go, because it's not, it's not gone. It's not even a matter of, we don't have the luxury of saying, hey, let's work on fighting the next thing. Yesterday, after they admitted that, you know, the background rate for myocarditis for certain teenage males are like almost 200 times above the background rate for certain cohorts, and it's like, yeah, but we're going to approve Novavax anyway. Something that was formulated for an extinct virus doesn't exist. Okay? They admit that. That strain does not exist. That we have young people dropping left and right, very specific signals all over Disability data, insurance data, health care, health claim data, life insurance data, DMED, VAERS, 
multiple countries, multiple studies, nursing homes here, autopsies there. It's all there. Hundreds of academic research. And they're still mandating it in the military. And next week, they're going to approve it for babies and toddlers. And nobody in the Republican Party is drawing that red line. We could have been drawing that line for over a year already. And we would have been in a very different place. That is our challenge. How do we make our own red lines? Because the problem is people only make a red line over what they hear about. They don't hear about it. They won't get stoked about it. And they won't take action on it. This has always been our challenge. They're very good at shutting things down. And the phony conservative media apparatus goes along with it. By the way, I want to close today with, before I forget, there's an amazing clip, hat tip Mark Crispin Miller on his Substack. He pointed out this guy on Twitter, William Craddock, four years ago, this from May 11th, 2018. There was a CFR, Council on Foreign Relations Forum, about propaganda and the voice you're going to hear in this clip is from former time magazine editor richard stengel and he's talking basically about the need to brainwash people like you know propaganda is not a bad thing it needs to be done and then someone from the audience a guy who appears to be a national from some part of africa it's a third world country and he basically says, like, wait a minute, like that's the type of stuff they used in the third world that's very damaging. You're you're saying we should use that here? And then he says, All right, time to end it. I hate questions like that. Time to end it. You you gotta see the video. It it is the most awkward moment you'll ever see. But let's let's play the clip here and uh, and take a listen to this Time magazine, former Time magazine editor Richard Stengel. So uh, I'll, you'll be the last question, but I just want to weigh in on that for one second. So there's another word for master narratives. It's called history. <laughs> Basically, every country creates their own narrative story. And, and you know, my old job at the State Department was what people used to joke as the chief propagandist job. We haven't talked about propaganda. Propaganda, I'm not against propaganda. Every country does it, and they have to do it to their own population. And I don't necessarily think it's that awful. And this idea of a, of a, of a uh, cart news cartel I mean, I, I, I was editor of Time in 2012 uh, during that election. And I remember, you know, you're competing against cartels and everybody. I remember being on a panel with the then editor of the New York Times who said, it's really hard to break through these days. This is the editor of the New York Times saying it's hard to break through. I almost, I wanted to jump off the platform. Like, what's it like for the rest of everybody? So, I mean, there, there's no... I mean, there are cartels, but cartels don't have hegemony like they used to. The gentleman right there, last question. I don't think you want to address an issue hmm. in terms of understanding what happened in the world. Because what is happening in America is what I'm, the United States flipped on the global south and in the third world, which we live with for many, many years in terms of a master narrative that was was and still is propaganda. You know what? I hate last questions. <laughs> Don't you? I never, I usually just want to end something before the last question. Um, but at any rate, I want to thank this fantastic panel here today. Um, and and I, I do want to say, I actually think, I mean, the talk about optimism, I mean, the optimism is all, is all of you there figuring out how to teach your students about this and using some of the techniques and some of the sources uh, that we've talked about here today. And I hope you're successful. Thank you very much. Folks, isn't that the craziest thing imaginable? I thought he was going to say, oh, I hate these questions, but I'll answer it. And then he's like, okay, time to go. Thanks for coming. That is emblematic of the world we live in today in these phony Western countries. They are democratic in name only. It's a nefarious elite that is more evil than Al-Qaeda, Iran, and North Korea, and Russia and China put together. 
although they're in bed with China, so it's kind of one. But they're more evil than them. They're more impactful. They're more devastating. They're embedded in all our countries. They control us. They lie. We're like a computer game in the hands of a user. When the going gets rough, you could just pull out the plug and start over again. They have one rule. They win, we lose. The question for us is, what are our rules of engagement? How are we going to update our focus, our vision, our strategies, our plans to comport with the challenges we are facing and to navigate through our adversaries that have no rules, that believe they are mini-gods that can control our bodies, our lives, our liberty, and everything. That is our challenge. That is something you all need to think about. Share this show with every one of your friends and relatives. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. You can follow me, dharwitz at blazemedia.com. As uh, my email or Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com, at rmconservative on Twitter. You can see my columns both at conservativereview.com and theblaze.com. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.